Joe Dancy, visiting professor, Southern Methodist University in Dallas. Thank you very much for joining us here today on the program. I wanted to talk about a few things energy-related, but um, there was a post that you had on LinkedIn the other day that I thought was uh, uh, just one of those fun bubblegum-for-the-mind questions, which had to do with capturing natural gas that is flared and mining bitcoins and putting it together. That was a great that was a great little uh, pontification that I'm thinking somebody's working on it right now. How did you t- explain how that came up? Well, actually one of my students in class and there was actually a Wall Street Journal article I think last week or so on it. Apparently uh, somebody in Canada with that you know was not near a pipeline uh, decided, you know, instead of flaring the gas, they would put a portable generator out in the middle of nowhere, generate um, electricity, run computers. I don't know anything other than the basic concepts of mining Bitcoin, but apparently the electricity is the main input and, you know, you get Bitcoin and then you can monetize that. And uh, they were asking me what I thought of the concept and I I had lectured earlier in the semester about um, there's some very interesting historical um, proposals dealing with the U.S. dollar, and uh, believe it or not, back in the 30s, the technocracy movement said, geez, you know, maybe our money ought to be backed by energy, because energy is transferable across time, you know, versus gold or silver, and it came up again in the 1970s when we got went off the gold standard, and now we have a fiat currency that, gee, maybe the, the U.S. dollar should be backed by energy which you know it's you talk to economists and you know they you know a lot of them i'll just interject right now i've been told by multiple people over a couple highballs off the record that the economy and the dollar is backed by the military that can control the energy supply for the planet does that make sense boy that makes a lot of sense i haven't really thought of that that way but uh so it, it, in essence, yeah, the, the money is backed by energy, but at the same time, it's the people who have the mightiest military that can protect those energy supplies to keep current, keep the riverbanks going, if you will. Um, that's what I was always kind of told by the high-level economists. Like I said, off-the-record type thing is that's it's the energy that keeps it going, but then you also have to have something protecting that. Yeah, that's actually an excellent point, and I do know – I mean, uh, the economy, the global economy and U.S. economy correlates really, really closely with with uh, energy use. And so, I mean, they, you talk to the st- statisticians and they talk about correlation coefficients and R squared and everything else. But it's like, you know, 95% of the economic growth is, is explained by energy use. And so it makes sense if you have, you know, the economy and the the economic argument for a a energy backed dollar is that well number one we are an energy powerhouse the united states with you know oil coal gas you know what have you nuclear um and number two as your economy grows you know unlike a fiat currency where you don't know how fast to grow money supply as your economy grows you know the use of energy grows so your your essentially your money supply grows in a non-inflationary manner and this is all above my head my pay grade i'm <laughs> but it's you listen to the arguments and it's very compelling and you realize 
you know, based on the dollar we have now, which is, you know, based on the trust of the U.S. government, um, you, you sort of wonder. And, of course, you look overseas and a lot of currencies based on the trust of the government, you know, have been severely depreciated in the past. And Lord knows, I and mean, I'm not advocating, I'm just saying it was very interesting, but this came up and like I said, I just, you know, explained to my students that, geez, this is a very interesting concept to take a, essentially a waste product that then you do get a, you're still getting a bunch of, um, we actually had a, a seminar, uh, a, an executive seminar at the University of Oklahoma uh, last week, and one of the professors from the University of Michigan was talking about, you know, how disgraceful it was that we're still flaring natural gas and that, you know, the regulators ought to shut in all the wells and we ought to leave the stuff in the ground. And I, you know, half the people in the audience were, you know, ready to go up and whisper in his ear that, hey, you know, we've made, the North Dakota especially, has made tremendous uh steps forward dealing with getting the infrastructure built out dealing with flared natural gas the permian also they're working you know night and day to get this because it it does have value and and there are regulations in place limiting how long you can flare but um it, it is it's interesting the concept of generating electricity to make bitcoins now the other question came up when i first started thinking about this a year or two ago i was at a seminar and the uh the speaker was talking about how essentially you know bitcoin is just a a essentially is just energy <laughs> is what you're you know, is and you can convert it you know back and forth and monetize it and that you know where they supposedly quote mine this stuff is you know where they have really really cheap electricity a lot of times it's not even you know it's in the it's not even in the country it's somewhere else that uh uh and so yeah that whole concept i i think is pretty fascinating just uh now whether you can make money on it you did i did post on linkedin i'm sort of shocked how many i mean i have like 70 comments and people everybody says you know you got everybody from skeptics that say this is nuts to people that say hey you know we're trying it it works call me here's my number course you don't know you know they may be promoters too but um and i haven't followed up on any of this quite frankly and i won't i, I just find all this this interesting because i mean it's this is a little bit deep for the oil and gas industry but i'm gonna dive in because we're talking about it here i mean if you go back to the origin of money essentially you know and we're talking egyptian times um the word you know isis actually i believe is is the god of money um but if you go and then if you put the the ISIS together, that's where you got the dollar sign, okay? Um, right. Yeah, the two S's and then the two I's for the dollar sign. And then the whole idea of money, of course, is, is, is what you're talking about, energy. It's, it's the transfer of energy to where currency, the word currency, my understanding is came from the river, came from the, the flow of energy. And so much so that the word bank came from the word riverbank because the banks were the ones that corralled and controlled the flow of the currency. And so when you look at money in a way that originated from the flow of energy and the corral and the control of energy, when you bring it up to gold, when you bring it up to dollars, you know, gold and silver, the reason that that 
was used as the backing of a currency is because it's such a good conductor of electricity, because it's so right. malleable, because of the properties behind it and the malleability behind it. Kings and armies and queens and everything, everybody wanted it for a lot of different reasons. I mean, you can go back to the Egyptian days where they've got copper wire around clay pots that they used as batteries. So, I mean, the, the, the idea of stored energy as currency has been around for a long time to where fa fast forward to today where we have cash. It's a promissory note. You look at the cash, that's a promissory note. You're promising this cash is going to exchange energy. So I just went and worked 40 hours at the law office. Now I'm taking all these promissory notes of shared energy and I'm giving them to the uh, construction guy and he's going to go take his energy and go build me a new gazebo. That's, that's, that, that's money right there. That's money right there. So when we bring it to Bitcoin, this is where I see my disconnect happening because I understand Bitcoin and blockchain. But when you're capturing flared gas and you're converting it to a generator, then that energy gets put into a computer, gets a stored energy for someone else at a later time. I don't know where that energy comes from because it's now in the, you know what I mean? It's not at the computer. So we're missing, a, we're, we're burning energy somewhere with Bitcoin that there doesn't seem like there's going to be a return on the other end. So I'm still kind of questioning Bitcoin. Anyway, that, 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 that's what I mean. We're, we're diving in pretty deep, aren't we there, yeah. Mr. Joe yeah, Dancy? It is a good question. I mean, energy equals work is essentially, and so you're storing work. Like you say, you cannot store electricity. And it's interesting. The other interesting thing, Jason, over the last, I'm teaching energy law course here and at uh, this spring, and uh, I've dived into solar quite a bit. And you hear everybody, you know, thinks we're going to replace it, you know, natural gas, coal, everything else, all the hydrocarbons with solar. And checking in every state is different and of course with with the, the neat thing about bitcoin is if you're running a generator in northern canada or you know northern north dakota there may not be an electric line where you can actually do an interconnect with to to sell the electricity so that's where the bitcoin you can actually generate the bitcoin without connecting to the electric grid um but with solar it's sort of interesting to see each state is different and at least in texas and oklahoma where i've actually gone talk to builders they, they they all sort of laugh and they said gee the only people that are putting these on their houses are the mcmansions the people and they're they're putting it on to make a statement because they said the economics even with this the huge tax credits um still don't work on a residential basis and just not there they're, huh they're not there and actually they told me um, you know, each panel, the little, uh, is about a thousand dollars each. I mean, that's a rough, so you go by someone's house, if they have 20 panels on it, it probably cost them 20 grand. And, you know, Oklahoma anyway, uh, some of the utilities will, you know, will hook you up to the grid, but they won't pay you for any excess electricity. So you can run your house. So they, the builders have told me, if you're going to design it, design it so that you are not generating any excess electricity. In fact, you're using a little bit because any of the stuff that goes into the grid, you will. And of course, you just can't tie into the grid. You have to have an interconnect, which means you have to have a contract. You have to have them come out and and look at your system and the design. So it's not cheap to stick on. It's not cheap to install. You're not going to get 
in the electricity down here, and I don't know about North Dakota, but I think you're in the same boat. In fact, I'm pretty sure you are because you're in the, a lot of your states in the Southwest Power Pool. Um, electricity is so cheap that um, it, it's difficult for solar to compete. Now, if you're in Hawaii where electricity is three times more expensive, then solar might make, make, make some sense, or if you're off the grid. Um, but in North, the other interesting thing with solar because um, I've checked with there's some northern Michigan uh, potential installations. And one of the issues I have, and this be the same thing with North Dakota, is I've asked them, and no one has really told me, you know, if you get 100 inches of snow, or hell, if you even get 50 inches of snow, or you just get cold, you know, do these things work? When, you know, how do you get the snow off them? And uh, there's really no answer to that. And, and as you know, if you, if you have to go out and shovel the snow off your solar panels, I mean, that's just an additional cost that you have to deal with, as well as, I guarantee you, you won't get all the snow off there or the ice, so the efficiency is going to be lower. And uh, it's a pretty interesting, it's an interesting concept, but the numbers aren't there, and it is sort of irritating to me, being, you know, from the oil and gas and coal and nuclear sector, the traditional is, I guess, uh, it is sort of... Um, irritating to hear you know all these folks promoting solar and promoting wind turbines which also uh, are not not quite there yeah don't get me started say, on wind i'm not a big fan yeah. of wind at all I've, i think <laughs> well we've gone we've gone so far backwards to where the farmers 100 years ago still have us beat on wind energy they yep, yep. They, they figured out a way to turn it into a well and extract water and you know, make it useful for the purpose that they needed it, and it worked very well. The fact right. that we are trying to force the wind the way it is without a reclamation program. I mean, these these wind turbines, a lot of them, they don't have any plans for when they're done. So they're just going to be a graveyard. Remember those old barns you see on the side of the road? It looks like <laughs> if, a, if, a, if a leaf falls on it, it's going to break. That's going to yeah. be wind turbines. And, yeah, and, and, yeah. Yeah, I mean, think about I, it. I haven't even. I haven't thought about that. I have asked. I've met with the uh, Osage uh, tribe with regard to. They have a big lawsuit up there uh, dealing with wind turbines because they the tribe owns the minerals on the on the entire county. It used to be Osage Nation. Now it's Osage County, and somebody put up a bunch of wind turbines and did not get permission to. When you put these up, because they're four hundred feet in the sky, you have to dig a huge hole and. Part of the, they didn't get, you know, this, the short story is the company did not get a permit from the um, Osage Nation because they were you know, interfering or dealing mm-hmm. with the mineral rights because you start digging underground, that's, you know, and the court said, and so the Osage Nation, they were, he's talking to some of the officials for the off the record, they were, they were saying, geez, you know, they put all this stuff up, we told them to get a permit, they didn't, and, you know, geez, I told them, gee, well, now that they need a permit, you can go in and charge them just ungodly amount of, you know, annual annual rental to uh, for a lease. And he goes, or he goes, like we can tell them to take them down. He goes, you know, those, they're, he goes, it'll be incredibly expensive for them to remove all those, you know, wind turbines they put up without authorization, assuming the court upholds us. And it was interesting, just theoretically, what's gonna what's gonna happen. But the other thing, and you noted, sort of. Uh, in our discussions that wind and solar are so intermittent. So it's not like you can rely on a wind turbine. You have to have a backup coal plant or backup natural gas plant. So, you know, it's uh, it's an incredible inefficient um, use of resource that uh, 
and of course the new don't I won't get you started on this the new you know the green revolution that's being proposed by some of our politicians essentially is sort of just the electrification of the economy which is not all that bad but then you look at the lithium batteries you're going to have to and the salts and the copper and and the inefficiency and the it's expense. it's getting crazy we're it getting is crazy no we're getting in the world of crazy because I'm 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 joking that I'm the Earth's champion now because the oil and gas industry is the only people trying to save the planet. Everybody else <laughs> is just pointing fingers and talking about how we got to get rid of oil and gas. I'm serious. It's it's crazy. When yeah. when when you got a person talking about eliminating fossil fuels and then they serve you a coffee Keurig. I mean, are you kidding me? And then <laughs> you've got the Dapple protesters leaving behind the garbage that they left behind. Trying to talk about eliminating fossil fuels, that's, that's absolutely crazy. We've entered into a world where the fact that the narrative is starting with now, we have to end fossil fuels, that, that's absolutely crazy. I mean, like, I'm, I'm not exaggerating when I say that's crazy. That is the definition of crazy because if we eliminated fossil fuels, it would be the walking dead without zombies in three days. It would be just unbelievable chaos, okay? So just unpacking that statement, the fact that any media outlet gives somebody with that platform or that that message a platform is remarkable to me uh, for the reasons you just said earlier too, which is, okay, let's talk wind and solar. Well, first of all, they're inefficient. They're going to create a lot more work for people. And let's not forget it's not even better for the environment because those lithium batteries and, and some of the minerals that we need to make those batteries, some of those mining practices are not the greatest. And those iPhones that you text everybody on that take 28 rare minerals, sometimes the mining practices aren't the best there either. And the oil and gas industry has made not, I mean, it's coal and oil and gas has made such significant progress on cleaning up the environment that they almost have just steam coming out of these plants plants and refineries now. I mean, steam to where they've collected so much of that to, to where it's like white steam coming out. That's remarkable. And so I, I, I kind of started as a Stephen Colbert type joke that, you know, I'm going to get myself a Brock Lesnar belt and I'm going to go around and be the, be the earth's champion because the oil and gas industry is the only people right now seriously trying to save the planet. Everybody else is just pointing fingers and, and causing more problems, in my opinion. That's a good point. Actually, we in our energy law class, too, I uh, last year I went out to the AES um, Shady Point plant here. It's on the Oklahoma-Arkansas border. It's a coal plant. And they had a they had the generator. One of the two generators was working. It was in, this is sort of the off-season, so they had one, one generator down. They were working, doing the repairs on it but out of the stack jason you're exactly there wasn't even steam coming out it was like you know they were operating generating electricity 100 uh, megawatts of electricity which is 50 wind turbines going full blast is what the equivalent was you could not tell that the plant was operating you know if you looked at the stack or anywhere else you just it was quiet it was efficient um you know, was generating electricity for the Southwest Power Pool. In theory, you know, the electricity coming out of your socket, because I think you're in the Southwest Power Pool up there, most of North Dakota, um, is, is, and uh, of course, in reality, it, the, it's electro electrons are just like the, 
when you pour water into a stream, it will it will go you know to the nearest uh, nearest discharge or wherever. But uh, in any event, it's sort of interesting to see how clean the coal plant was, and the whole facility was beautiful. I mean, it was well maintained. It was it was not an eyesore, uh, and it was a huge wasn't huge. They have eighty jobs that they which when you're in eastern Oklahoma, the unemployment rate um, well last year was sixteen percent. I don't know what it is now. But it's you know eighty jobs in a high unemployment um, area is is significant and and with regard to oil and gas you know saving the nation well one of the guys we had um, Zoom or Skype into our class saving the earth not the nation they're saving the saving earth the yeah, earth. No. yeah. <laughs> I mean you know I mean we we all know the earth's the best planet in the universe right. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it is. Uh, I had. Um, I mean, if we're gonna get bravado, we got to get bravado here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had uh, Alex Epstein who wrote the moral case for fossil fuel, and we talked for an hour, and it was interesting. You know, a lot of my students, it is these are law students. They 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 have undergrads and uh, all sorts of different you know undergraduate degrees, but you know this is the first time they really have heard from someone talking what just like you said about. Alex is making the argument that there is a moral case for fossil fuels for both, you know, the environment, for food. And what he said is, and this was really this struck me as the, my takeaway. I mean, I've, and I've read his book and I've talked to him in the past and I've, we actually had him come down here to SMU and put him uh, at the Perot, Perot Museum. We brought, there's about 300, probably the hot, biggest hot shots in, in Dallas in the energy sector and elsewhere. And he, made a big presentation but his his comment to one of the students was you know if you attack oil and gas and coal and hydrocarbons essentially you're attacking the the um the people in the world who need them most the people that don't have you know clean water the people that don't have enough food that don't have transportation and so if you're going to bottle all that stuff up and make it more expensive with regulations that are unreasonable or your you know more expensive alternative fuels like solar or the people you hurt are the economic disadvantaged and he goes so when you hear these folks talking and marching around you know shut down the oil and gas industry essentially you know what they're saying is you know we are we are going to make the disadvantaged even more disadvantaged. And if you can afford it and you have a decent job, you know, it's going to be more expensive, but you can, you know, it's not going to impact you that much. And so he goes, it's a very interesting, it's a very interesting way to look at it. And, and thinking about it, I, I agree with them. That's a great, great point. Well, and I think too, not, I, I don't think getting rid of solar and wind is the answer. Like I said, farmers figured out a very creative, effective way to harness wind energy now in india for example they've figured out some great ways where on the um, busy city highways where the buses are just flying back and forth they use the vertical corkscrew windmills so that way the buses moving back and forth are powering these wind turbines in between the highways constantly and so you know there are some different ways like a small wind turbine on a um on a house is very efficient for some things. And when I look at like solar, hey, it does a great job, you know, charging batteries and and doing, you know, some minor things around the house that uh, around your life that maybe, you know, can come in secondary or even a third energy source, you know, all these, all these uh, eye devices, they need charging. And there's certain 
there's certain other things that do. Now, where the problem comes is where we start with trying to say a city has to have it. And if the city doesn't do it, well, then it's not a very effective energy source. You know what I mean by that? To where I, I see a lot of these, you know, solar and wind have a place in the market, but I don't think it's to power a city. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's what, that's how I kind of, I mean, if they're not even being able to really power the McMansions, how, do, how can you expect it to power a skyscraper? What's interesting you mentioned that. It is uh, the first city in Oklahoma that, Apparently, as the city council has adopted a resolution to go 100% renewable, is Norman, Oklahoma. And, of course, it's a college town. It's probably – and a number of people just went nuts and said, well, number one, yeah, they they don't have the capacity yet to power an entire town with renewables. And number two, you know, the – of course, this is by 2025 or something, so it's – or 2030, so it's 10 years out. But – and it is a – you know, it's a – it's a – I guess as a goal, I understand that if it's economically done, but, you know, a number of folks were like, you know, they were, well, number one, a number of environmentalists were wildly enthusiastic for it, but a number of, you know, more realistic folks said, gee, I own a house here, and if my electricity bill doubles because we're doing renewables based on a mandate by a city, you know, this is, it's interesting, it it creates some conflict, and, uh, of course, going forward, they can always change the mandate or change the date. But uh, I thought that was that was quite quite interesting, especially for a state as conservative as Oklahoma and as as oil and gas based. I mean, it is it's fun in both Texas and Oklahoma and North Dakota to work work in because the people there, for the most part, totally understand how much value whether you're a mineral owner, whether you're a worker, whether you own a company. They, or whether a pipeline, you realize how valuable this stuff is to the economy and to you personally. And uh, anyway, to see a city of in Norman, Oklahoma, decide that, gee, we're going to go total renewable, I mean, that's great, but number one, the numbers aren't there, and neither is the capacity, and it's going to be expensive as heck. So it's going to be exciting to see, but um, it'll be exciting to see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've played a baseball in norman um yeah okay. yeah been it's, down to an a, a, aau tournament back in my youth day we um it, we we got beat pretty good <laughs> <laughs> it's a great city it's a great it is it's a great it's a great college in fa- oklahoma is fantastic but in, it's, uh, in fact probably my best memory from that trip was we got to go stand on the 50 yard line at the university of oklahoma's sooner stadium and yep, um yep. that's that's incredible i mean i've been at the big house and uh uh, what is it, Michigan? That's that's. Yep. A, I mean, uh, Penn State, uh, Happy Happy Valley, out in Penn State, and you know, you're talking about a hundred thousand people that come into these arenas, and and so at the time I was living in Fargo, and I'm going, wow, that's the city of Fargo here, <laughs> like that's the whole city in this in this yeah. arena. You know what I mean? Like, wow. Yeah, um, it's interesting. Uh, it, it, it is interesting too. The uh, just as a sidelight, we were, and this has come up in the last month or two, the students were talking about induced seismic the uh, and oil and gas. And I said, gee, you know, there is someone in our, in, our, in our engineering department, one of the seismologists pulled out some seismic equipment, and they actually measured when OU scored a touchdown, there's enough people jumping around. You can actually, it, is, it has the equivalent of a very small induced seismic oil and gas event. And I thought that was quite interesting and told them, geez, you know, we probably should go out and protest the football team and say, you know, we 
don't want any induced seismic events around Oklahoma, so we shouldn't be playing football here in Norman. And I said, just, you know, don't use my name when you go protest because it's football is quite popular, as you can imagine. Oh, it's like yeah. Ice, it's like ice hockey is up at uh, University of North Dakota. So mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah, well, and of course, uh, my alumni, North Dakota State University, seven-time Division Two or Division One AA, I forget what it is. I call it Division Two. It's Division One AA uh championships you know football we've uh, seven years in a row now down in frisco texas we come down there and uh drink the town dry uh two years i think the first two years they li- literally ran out of alcohol um <laughs> i'm serious yeah that was uh, that was like an issue for two years in a row and the second year was so funny because they're like we're ready for you and then we drank them dry again uh so yeah, proud so to be they're a good team i've yeah. seen them on tv quite a bit in the playoffs it's fun uh, and it's fun and it's interesting, uh, of course, when you when you have a team from the north, just the ability to to practice with the uh, yeah, with the weather you have up there versus you have the southern teams, and you can pretty much you're in Oklahoma or Texas or Florida or Louisiana, you can practice all year round, you know, and uh, and stay in you know, stay in coordination. But when you're when you're up where you're at, the uh, yeah, the ability to get outside and it's expensive. Shape. Oh, it's expensive. Well, you got to uh, keep the like you know we we've got a dome, but it it's not free to keep the dome open. Oh, you know, no, yeah. and you know t- down south you can just go outside. Yep. You know, I yep. mean, you you don't have to pay for heat and air conditioning and all that other stuff. And although during the summer months you can't do too much outside, uh, too much heat. But uh, anyway. Right. So okay, uh, before we get running here, I'd like to get an update, just kind of uh, what your latest trade shows have been we've talked uh let's see the last time you're at nape and then we talked about the drones in the uh oil field just kind of what what have you been uh, uh i guess absorbing over the past 30 days with your wheelings and dealings and trade shows and and talkings and presentations well we had we had our online students in norman uh, they it was a 15-month program they come in for one week and what i do is i bring in experts that uh, instead of listening to me lecture for five days in a row because they listened to me online lecturing uh, i brought some folks in and uh the bottom line is that nothing really new or exciting uh, the spears and associates the uh, consulting firm out of tulsa you know gave some interesting presentations dealing with drilling uh, activity and they think well number one they used there won't be an explosion in prices or drilling activity, but they think going forward from here on to the rest of the year, there's going to be a mild upward trend in both activity and prices, which is positive. Uh, and they uh, also, I guess there's I, <laughs> the other big thing that I took away, and actually I had a speaker in my class last week or this week, I guess, on, and I really, well, I've thought about this, but I really haven't looked and I wanted to show the students uh the big area that's sort of overlooked is the midstream, the natural gas liquids area, where we're promoting or producing so much more natural gas liquids. And as the speaker noted, you know, it's sort of an area where most producers, you don't go in looking for natural gas liquids, but when you have this little niche, you can, you know, it's a great niche because you don't have that much competition. You can make a boatload of money, um, you know, processing that stuff. The exports, Jason, going out of going out of Houston are incredible. I mean, are going straight through the roof. The chemical plants and and Troy just Marathon just announced they're they're modifying their Texas City refinery. They're spending two billion dollars to 
be able to process more of the U.S. you know lighter crudes and the natural gas liquids into into saleable products, and so the students really got an eye opener. Of course, you have, you have a natural gas liquids plant, and then you you also need the associated you know pipelines, transportation, export contracts, and and so and from what I've heard and talking to people and talking to the the experts that were you know making the presentation the you know the natural gas liquids boom is not going to be over anytime soon and i know you know with the natural gas you have in north dakota you know obviously that's not the primary objective but i knew i know a number of the areas are relatively liquid rich which just kicks your economics way up and and obviously you you know the Propane use is going up, but the propane exports, you can only heat so many houses in North Dakota or, or Michigan or Minnesota with your propane. But uh, I'll so tell you, this, this natural gas um, is the picks and shovels right now of the oil and gas industry to where someone is going to crack the code and you're going to see a new explosion happen like you've never seen before. I interviewed Lee Tillman, CEO of Marathon Oil, and he basically summed up the problem in a nutshell, which is it's very expensive to ship a molecule of natural gas from the United States to South America. And until yep. we can figure out the economics to ship that much more efficiently, the natural gas market's going to be where it's at. Now, this was probably three, four years ago. And when I think of what he said, and now when I look at the amount of investment that has happened in the last two years and the amount of investment that's on the books for the next five, you're gonna see a natural gas explosion in a good way, in a economic way. Right. I gotta be careful with those that, those, <laughs> those three words in a row, I gotta be careful with. Um, yeah. You're gonna see an economic uh, activity explosion in the natural gas industry like we've never seen before. And, and I right. truly believe that because not only is the petrochemical uh, side of things happening, but the power generation side of things happening. And Mexico is just salivating, waiting for that pipeline to even open up more and more and more. Is that kind of, are you following me a little bit on the trends and, and seeing how the timing on this is going to go? Yeah, I agree with you. It is, it is the, uh, actually the presentations with the natural gas liquids and the exports, I mean, they, it's impressive where we've gone so far, but we, you know, if the if these folks are correct, we have a long, long way to go. And you're right, Mexico. Well, well, part of the problem in Mexico is the the minerals are all owned by the government. You have a government-operated company, so it's no not private, private, no private enterprise to sort of analyze things. So, yeah, you know, like I say they're salivating for our natural gas, and actually for quite frankly, our oil and our Everything. refined products because mm -hmm. they're having they're having major problems uh you know with regard to meeting demand and with their fields declining uh they especially natural gas it's uh, and, and of course with the permian right there boy we'd love to shoot you know shoot more natural gas you know down south that'd be fantastic so. well the permian and the bakken are i mean they're, they're at a point where they could almost power the planet if we could figure out a way to harness that natural gas i mean i'm not right i'm not trying to be exaggerating but at the same time it's that that is the one the one issue that nobody likes to talk about which i don't get because there's a lot of investment being done on it there's a lot of things i mean there's you know these science projects they've had on these well sites are making some serious significant gains and it's almost too bad that 
you know, we couldn't take some of the subsidies from oil or from uh, wind and solar and ethanol and put it towards these natural gas guys because these natural gas guys are truly solving a problem and, and it's an immediate problem. Whereas right. the, the wind and solar and ethanol guys, I'm sorry, man, you've had 20 years and you just, you haven't made significant strides yet. We're going to do a little hiatus for your subsidies and maybe we'll kick some more. I mean, honestly, I, something's got to change is what I'm saying. In the natural gas world, that the flaring is a problem, but there are solutions out there, but they may just need a little bit of help on the monetary side. Going back to Lee Tillman's comment, it's still right. expensive to ship a molecule of, of a hydrocarbon to South America. So, I mean, right. yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost too bad that, like I said, we're, we're not shifting the, the subsidies at this point. As long as we're giving them out, we might, as well, right. we might as well give them out to solve a problem instead of trying to create more questions. Right, right. So I agree. It's 100, 100%, uh, 100% with you there. Well, all right, man. We're going to wrap it up here. Just kind of uh, uh, bullet points. Joe Dancy with us here. We've talked a little bit about the flaring and natural gas. Uh, generation from Bitcoin is how we started out, and we ended on natural gas subsidies. Boy, that's an interesting uh, dynamic there. <laughs> and everything in between to Egyptian culture to solar power issues to getting a Brock Lesnar belt and going around t telling the world why the oil and gas industry is saving the planet. We've had a full full day today here. <laughs> yep, yeah, we really have. Well, uh, kind of last thoughts by you, sir. You know me. I like to give the uh, guests the final word. That way the question's not framed by me in case there's anything we didn't talk about, anything that needs to be reiterated, or somebody likes to give a good ripping barbecue recipe. Who knows? So I just, <laughs> I, I let people go nuts at the end there. So the floor is yours, sir. Yeah, just going forward, Jason, I yeah, really have nothing uh, to add other than, you know, the energy sector is so interesting because they have so many moving parts between oil and gas, solar, renewable, and so many niches. And that's what I tell you know, the students, the youngsters that, you know, if you're interested in a dynamic career and it, it's, they'll have ups and downs because it's so cyclical. You just got to, you take the downs and you take the ups and you survive until the next good times. But uh, it's exciting to see and it's exciting to see both from the economics and development as well as and it is irritating sometimes to see some of the uh, political concepts with regard to our energy sector. And it's actually downright scary because you know, quite a few politicians are not from producing states, so they really don't understand the fundamentals. So it's uh, it's good to talk about this stuff because, you know, we need to get the word out and keep uh, keep everybody uh, drilling and, uh, and mining. 